0: to another episode of Just Jerry Live, Plotting Perspectives in Church Life, with Todd Bryant
1: and Jeff Short.
0: How are you doing up there in the cold north?
1: Well, it is pretty cold today, but doing pretty well. I recently finished a study going book by book through the Bible, starting in Genesis and uh, recently just finished Revelation, so... That was uh, that was quite an effort, quite a study. I think it was uh, I think it was very profitable. I know I benefited from it.
0: You have now preached the whole council of God.
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of Revelation, we are in this uh, book study, critique, review, whatever of uh, Jonathan Ammons' book, The Power of His Reign, and he subtitles it. An Easy Introduction to millennialism, and just to remind folks, we are reading these chapters, and we are not discussing these things whatsoever before record is started on this podcast. Is that true?
1: That is correct.
0: I know that there's been a couple of times that I've been really tempted to, to text you or call you and talk about it, but we just have not. We've been pretty honest about that, so... Whatever comes out here may not sound very professional or scripted, but that's because it is neither. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't believe I've ever been accused of being professional or scripted. <laughs> well,
0: I hear you. We are trying to speed this study up. We don't. We don't want to do this forever. This is a pretty short book. I think it probably, you know, could be read in just a, an hour and a half or so if you just sat down and and jumped on it. The chapters are. Four to five pages a piece. And so today we're going to try and cover chapters six through nine, which all deal with this, what I'm going to term the two age theory. Is that fair? Right. And so he says that essentially there are two ages that cover all of time. In fact, he actually says that in. On the first page of chapter 6, therefore the two ages cover all of time, including eternity. So as I understood these four chapters, he believes that from Genesis 1-1, when creation began, when time began, until the beginning of the eternal ages is this age. And then the eternal ages is the age to come. Is that how you see him explaining this? Uh, right. Is that common amongst every millennialist, or is this a variation, you think?
1: No, I think it's pretty common. You know, he starts out there page 34, talking about the now and the not yet, or the already and the not yet, and that is based on uh, the two-age scheme, and I think that's I think that's fairly common. I'm not sure what where that originated, but uh, I think it is fairly common.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he begins chapter six. While the now and not yet themes of the kingdom are often beneath the surface throughout Jesus's teaching, the two ages scheme explicitly shows up again and again. And I'm going to be honest with you, uh, I, I'm not going to have just a ton of things to say about this chapter or or these chapters other than this. He's proof texting a good bit here. He's not, he's not dealing with passages that in his terminology, which he continues to use, simply and clearly show otherwise. For instance, Romans 16, you know, now to him who's able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, plural, That looks into the past, you know. Um, You know, it says in First Corinthians 10, now these things happen uh, as an example, but they're written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages, plural, has come. Ephesians 2 speaks of the coming ages, plural. Ephesians 3 speaks of the mystery hidden for ages. In God, I could go on, there's quite a number of, of verses that use ages in the past tense or the future tense. And of course, he doesn't address even one of those passages in these four chapters.
1: He does not prove this two age theory. He simply refers to a number of verses where it seems to be present. You know, he's not really showing the necessity. Of this from the scripture. And and like you say, not talking about other scriptures that clearly refer to other ages. And one thing that struck me that was almost humorous as I read these chapters is how woodenly literal he's taking this, the age that now is in the age to come. I mean, is he not taking that very woodenly, literally?
0: And would absolutely make fun of of us probably, and you know, over coffee. And I don't mean that he would mean it mean. I think it would be, you know, fun jesting back and forth if we were sure. having coffee together. Because I I really do believe he's a nice guy. I don't get any bad attitude from him at all. But if we were picking at one another, he he'd certainly pick on us for being woodenly literal. But you're right, he is definitely doing so. And in passages where Jesus is not laying out prophetic timelines, he's simply saying. Right. In the next life, in the in the eternal state, when all things are done, this is how things are going to be. He's not giving an outline, though, of past ages or future ages. And I think it goes back to this great desire to be over simple, you know, simplifying everything, because he uses the word simple as much as he uses the word the. I've never seen anything that has been pressed so hard as how simple it is. But again, if you just go do a word search for ages and look at all of the, especially the New Testament, the times that that word is used in plural, speaking of the ages that have already happened and the ages plural that are to come, you obviously add mud to the water. So, Yes, it's simple if you only use the scriptures that seem to say what you want to say. But when you really look at it, as we said in the beginning, every position of prophecy has some difficulties. And this one simply is not as simple as he's making it out to be.
1: Well, another way to take that phrase would just to be would just to say now and in the future. In other words, you know, he's taking the age to cut, you know, he's taking that so literally and. Uh, something else that was uh, almost amusing to me was that he's making some charts in in this book, which is, again, you know, wooden literalness and charts is something that, uh, you know, Amills tend to, you know, make fun of, quote unquote, dispensationalists for. But uh, yet he seems to persist in doing that. I just found that humorous. <laughs> and, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's more of a a comment of my own sense of humor but
0: No, absolutely uh, not. And I I've actually found that to be pretty common that uh my all millennial buddies have their own set of charts, but then will make fun of us for having charts. That's I've I've always found that humorous. You know, one of the one of the most popular passages in the scripture, I think, probably is Ephesians chapter two. Uh it obviously begins by saying we were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, we we get to verse four but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. But the purpose of that is is in verse 7, Ephesians 2, 7, that in the coming ages, plural, right. he might show the immeasurable riches of his kindness or his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, that's simple. By his definition, that's not hard to understand. And I could easily take that passage and just say, okay, well, then there are obviously coming ages, which I do believe there are. But by ages, we simply mean times in which God is dealing with mankind differently. And I would think that even he would agree with that. Now, let me say, human humankind has always been saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ alone. That's not what we mean by dealing with mankind differently, but before the flood, there was a different era there, a different epoch of time, if you want to use that. then there was you know obviously from the flood to Abraham, from Abraham to Moses, all of these are different times, the time of the law through Israel, different time as from now. And the Bible, like it or not, speaks of those different times as ages in the past. And so, yes, we can simplify it and say, you know, there is the now in which there's still death and sin. And then there is the one day, the future, when there will be none of that. We can certainly break it down into two time, you know, ages, two times there but that is oversimplifying the scripture, and again, I have a sneaking suspicion that our brother knows that these other verses out here speaking of ages in the past and coming ages in the future i I got a feeling he knows they're there, but they don't fit he they don't fit anything he's saying in these chapters, so they're not dealt with at all and i mean I, I'm not trying to be mean spirited or anything, but that is the definition of proof texting. And we all have a tendency to do it, but it's just so obvious to, to anyone that might set this book down and just go look at that.
1: Right. Well, the, when you look at the, the Greek word for ages, which I believe is ion and you, you, you can correct me on that diphthong there, but, uh, the alpha and yoda, does that make an I sound ion or is yeah. it generally in English? We'd say eon, but, but ion anyway. That word, as I understand it, first of all, it's it's not specific. It, it really just indicates a period of time. And so to try to press time into these two ages is, first of all, it's just not something that the Bible does. And again, there's a handful of verses that he's pulled out that seem to say what he wants to say. Of course, he's going far beyond what those verses say. But then there's other verses, like several that you've referenced that suggest otherwise and he he didn't you know he didn't start out by giving us any sort of a scriptural definition for an ion or anything just these just these few verses, and again, all taken from the New Testament with no mention of any Old Testament verses that might actually bear on this subject.
0: Well, and he says, you know, like in, in the first paragraph of chapter seven, I'm going to focus on the verses that are most important for our study. But, you know, I put a little note in there that said, yeah, and not the ones that clearly show something else.
1: They're, they're most important for the, uh, you know, defense of amillennialism.
0: Yeah, but you, if you're going to deal with something this major and make such a such a major doctrine of a two age model then you really need to at least be honest and deal with those verses that seem to clearly and simply, his language, clearly and simply show otherwise. And I mean, they're just are, again, Ephesians 2, 7 speaks of the coming ages, plural. So that's pretty damaging to this. And, you know, he says things like uh, on page 38, he has commissioned us, to spread that kingdom rule and sovereignty over all the earth, declaring the good news. But that's just not the case. I mean, that is added right. in by him. We aren't spreading Jesus's kingdom rule right now. That's the devil is still running things as far as God is allowing him to do so. He is the God of this world right now. Things aren't getting better. Christ isn't overtaking the world. Things are actually getting worse. Evil men and Seducers will wax worse and worse, and we see Christ in the Gospels point to a time where sin would be at an all time high, and man would be coming under this this major wrath of God because of how far his rebellion has gone so the the kingdom rule of God is not spreading we're spreading the gospel right now, right, which ultimately is re- recruiting citizens of the kingdom which Jesus will. Set up when he returns, according to a number of Old Testament passages, according to the Gospels, according to the epistles, and then, of course, according to the book of Revelation. Am I wrong that he's adding in a commission to spread the kingdom when that's just not the case?
1: Well, it's not the case, but it's, you know, it's based on the idea that, you know, Jesus is currently on the throne of David. And so, therefore, his kingdom has already come. It's already here. So. Just an erroneous idea that we're spreading the kingdom, or that we're growing the kingdom, or we're in in some way bringing about the rule and reign of of Christ, which is just not what we are taught in the Gospels.
0: Well, and it's not what we're taught in history either. If you look back to England, for instance, you know, back in the sixteen seventeen hundreds, it seems like. At that time, Christianity was really taking over England. But by the time that Spurgeon is preaching in the late 1800s, that's beginning to erode. You know, you have the downgrade controversy and a number of things. And today, England is by and far an atheistic society. I mean, there still are some churches over there, but they're nothing compared to what they were 250 years ago. You're obviously seeing America go in a very similar direction. It's not that the kingdom is is growing and taking over the world. that's just not the case. The Lord is going to return, and his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet, and then he'll set up the kingdom, much like you know Daniel chapter two speaks about God is going to set up the kingdom
1: right and that and that is not the way that the kingdom was prophesied to come anyway and you if you i think it's what page number forty you know he's talking about the kingdom being in seed form. And really, I think, was it the last episode where we uh, covered chapters on the parables? Because really a lot of this comes from a misunderstanding uh and a misinterpretation of the parables and what the mystery of the kingdom is. And so, you know, I certainly would refer someone to to go back and listen to the previous episode if they want to hear more about that. But it's just a it's just that misapprehension that is just continuing through what he's saying here.
0: Well, the, just, just touching on the, the parables really quickly, the, the Jews and even the disciples expected the kingdom to come when, when the Messiah showed up. And those parables explain clearly that no, the kingdom is actually not going to be in kingdom form until the second coming of Jesus. They're going to be delayed. And that's why he gives these, these parables because of the misunderstanding of the Jews of his day. Is that, is that right. fair enough?
1: Yeah. They thought it should appear immediately. Now, Right then.
0: Absolutely. So on page forty-two, he says Yahweh reigns supreme over all of creation. I, I can only amen that. I'm assuming you you would. Absolutely. Uh, and and I'll even say Jesus is exercising universal dominion right now as he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Absolutely. I, I don't. We don't doubt that you know Christ is reigning right now in a universal sense. And we certainly do not doubt that he is Lord, which I do think there's some confusion between the lordship of Jesus and the kingdom. right? But but the Davidic messianic kingdom in which Israel is regathered and placed on their land and people flood into Jerusalem to worship Yahweh, which is, again, over and over prophesied of in the Old Testament. That simply is not now.
1: Right. Yeah, his kingdom is a mediatorial kingdom that is a reign and rule up on this earth and that that does not come until Christ returns to this earth.
0: And for the record, even when Gabriel is visiting Mary, that's what he says is going to happen. Absolutely. He is going to sit on David's throne and he is going to reign forever. And is it just me or has has the word simple I I, I started off Highlighting every time he used the word simple. But <laughs> again, if you, of course, if you, if you ignore the verses that say something other than what you're saying, everything's simple. It's when you take all of the information together and begin to look at it, you say, man, this is tough. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the two age theory is seemingly the case in some of those passages because Jesus does talk about the age to come. But then you go over here and you look at other verses, which clearly show something different, and that's when it gets hard. So this is not easy, right. and it's not simple.
1: Yeah. But and got, in all these four chapters, he doesn't he doesn't make any mention of any of those verses, or or even act like they even exist.
0: And that's why he uses the word simple over and over and over again. He he says again in in chapter nine, page forty nine, all millennialism asserts that Christ's earthly reign is now through the church and that reign will become physical only in the new heavens and the new earth. In other words, in the eternal ages is what he means there. Right. And because he has, in his view from chapter 6 to 8, proven that there are only two ages, and I hate to say this again, but by ignoring some verses that say otherwise, He believes that he disproves premillennialism.
1: Well, yeah, chapter nine is the aha moment. So chapter six to eight, he spends all he spends this time showing you a number of verses that seem to talk about two ages and all the while ignoring all other passages. And he so he, he feels like he's established his case. And so chapter nine is the whole reason why he was doing that was to basically say, okay. Well, then, if there are two ages, well, then there just there just cannot be a thousand-year millennial kingdom. There just there just can't be. So he, you know, sort of he proved what he wanted to there, but of course the problem is that the two-age scheme he has failed to prove that that is actually a scriptural teaching, like that that this two-age framework should be put on the Bible and should be controlling and directing all interpretation i mean he just has i mean that would seem to be a very important hermeneutical tool from within the bible if that's true and he just failed to prove that that is the case
0: absolutely so he
1: says what is this page 49 he talks about how that premillennialism cannot be consistent with the two ages well the the two ages again as we have shown that's simply an artificial category That's being imposed on the Bible and he's saying, well, it doesn't fit with it. Well, you know, it doesn't. And and I'll agree with him that, yeah, it it don't fit with it. And I believe that's because it's not consistent with the Bible as a whole. That's just not what the Bible teaches. So he tries to divide these two ages. You've got one age where there is sin and death and then you've got one age where there is none. And so, therefore, there just can be no millennial kingdom now. Of course, part of the problem is that ignores passages Isaiah 65 and Isaiah, I think 24. It is the book of Zechariah that talks about a time when that is not like any time in this present age, but it's also a time different from what we we read about of the eternal ages. And then I would also say, if you take Revelation 19 through 21 and you interpret all of those chapters consistently. That alone fails his two-age test. It just doesn't work because those chapters show that that is just not the case.
0: Well, in his oversimplification of this age and the age to come being the eternal ages, let's just think of everything that he's got going on in this age. So in this age, he's got man in his unfallen state in Eden. He's got man after the fall, but before the flood. He's got man after the flood, but before Abraham. He's got man after Abraham, but before the law. That would take, you know, Israel all the way into Egypt and out of Exodus. Then he's got Israel under the law. Then he's got the coming of Christ. And, you know, there's obviously a lot more happening in these periods, you know, the times of the judges, the times of the The monarchy in Israel, the divided kingdom, there's a lot more going on than I'm mentioning. But then you've got the the time of the church after Christ. You've got all these various, you know, epics of time that men have lived in and approached God through Christ, of course, but in different ways of worship. But he doesn't think that there could be an age where Jesus is going to reign. That just, that seems silly to me. It's oversimplification.
1: Well, I think you hit on it right there. See, that's that's the danger of striving for simple is that when you end up with oversimplification and you're not actually accounting for what the Bible actually says.
0: No, I completely agree. And again, Ephesians 2, 7 talks of the ages to come, and that's just damaging. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that it. Proves our theory. I don't, I don't want a proof text from Ephesians two seven. I'm simply throwing it out there to say that if he'd have thrown that into the mix, it would have clouded the water here. Well, right. So, so we've read nine chapters, and I feel like from his hermeneutics, which we covered in I think our third podcast on this book, to his use of you know the parables in Luke twenty, to this two age theory so far. I've honestly just found a lot of troubling things about his approach to this subject.
1: Well, I think one thing he has definitely shown and I agree with him about is that premillennialism is not consistent with amillennialism. And I think he's right about that. I, th- I think he's uh I think he's shown that. But one of the things I was going to say about the very end of chapter nine, he lists these problems with premillennialism. So. Here, You know, here's another issue. I, I think this book, and again, I believe he's writing honestly, but I believe he's also writing naturally. I believe that what he's written here is reflective of the way that he came to embrace millennialism. And I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I've also talked about it uh, with different people in conversations. You don't start with the problems of systems of eschatology. That, you know that's not where you start you you need to start in the beginning with genesis you need to you need to to read and understand what the bible has to say that's the way that you need to develop your understanding of eschatology not by starting with these problems number problem number 1 and this is from Sam Storms article which Sam used to be premillennialist and I think he has a book on Revelation 20. And and his own personal testimony is that Revelation 20 converted him to millennialism. But anyway, he says, you know, number one, you must necessarily believe that physical death will continue to exist beyond the time of Christ's second coming. OK, first of all, if that's what the Bible teaches, then that's what the Bible teaches. Sure. And, that you know, that's you don't start with a problem and then. OK, well, then, you know, let me look at what Revelation 20 here says and let me look at at what you know, this gospel passage, you really need to start from the beginning and develop your theology and your understanding from beginning to end in the progress of Revelation.
0: Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, Isaiah 65, obviously speaking of the time of the Messianic reign, speaks of uh, those that will die 100 years old. So, uh, right. yes, the the Bible does talk about that. Yes, that might be difficult, but if the Bible says it, We will have to, we'll have to believe it. Let me, I wanted to also say this before we close this up. Back in chapter seven, I thought he did a pretty good job of just laying the gospel out. Now, obviously he did that in order to go on into the two age theory, which I disagreed with, but I was glad to see that he had a gospel basis that he wanted to make sure and include in this book. And I would say all of us need to make sure that we're not you know, going into all the world and preaching premillennialism to the world. You know, we need to go into all the world, preach the gospel to the world, make sure Christ is center. Now, in that chapter, he worked on end of the two age theory, but he did at least share the gospel. And I did appreciate right. that. Absolutely. One, one more thing that I wanted to uh, jump on that you said there is the way that he approached from a premillennial point of view, approached the problems and then ended up an amillennialist. We need to make sure that we don't approach a concern that we have and within five days of study feel like we're prepared to write a book on a subject either. I'm not I'm not suggesting he did that. I seriously doubt he did. This is pretty well written. I disagree with it. But, you know, he looks like he put a good bit of time and effort into this book. But these aren't the type of. Positions that you form overnight. These are the type of positions that take years of study to make sure that you have straight because it's not as simple as Brother Ammon would like us to think it is. There's a lot. Yeah, going that's on true. It. Yeah, okay. Anything else you want to play on these chapters?
1: No, I think that's sufficient.
0: I hope everybody has a great day. This is Just Jerry Live signing off.